0: Is real. There's
1: power in your name, my hope. We trust in your ways, we need Jesus is
0: real. Let us pursue the things which make for peace. And the things by which one may edify another, that word edify literally means to build up somebody else. So the greatest exercise of strength and freedom is the ability to say, even though I'm allowed to do it, I'm not going to do it because I want that person to experience God's peace and I want to build them up and not tear them down.
1: You're being constantly bombarded by message after message saying that you should get what you want, when you want it, period. It's no wonder that people have a hard time with God's call to consider the needs of others before their own. Today, Pastor Daniel urges you to let go of your personal freedoms if it helps other people. You'll learn that the greatest use of your freedom in the Lord is to choose peace and the edification of others. Now, here's Pastor Daniel with his continuing study called Choose Love. ...in Romans chapter 14.
0: When you start to realize it's not just about what I want... ...it's what does pure love invite me into. And that's where Christian maturity kind of takes its, its step. That's what he says in the middle of verse 15... Do not destroy with your food the one for whom Christ died. Wow. He's saying, what is more important? What you're allowed to eat or do or destroying the very person who Jesus wants to redeem. Now, what's so powerful about this now is you start to look at everything and saying, if Christ has redeemed that person, if there's a potential for Jesus to redeem that person, then am I doing anything that's gonna grieve that person, that's gonna stumble that person? Because why would I want to destroy with my food choices or my drinking choices or this piece or that piece, these minor temporary things, why would I want to destroy somebody who is eternal who Jesus wants to redeem? And I think in a lot of ways, I'll be honest with you, when I look at what's going on in the world today, oh, I so desire for not only me to get this, but for the people of God to get this. Because so much of what's going on in our culture today is the church is getting frustrated by the world in which we live in and not even thinking like this. Not thinking, why would I want to needlessly aggrieve people for whom Christ died? Why would I want to needlessly divide up the body of Christ? For 2,000 years, this has been in Romans 14. 14. Listen to what Paul told the church in Ephesus, Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. He says, Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children and walk in love, as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet smelling aroma. Now, you see how powerful that is because he's saying, Listen, just as Jesus has done for us, we should be imitators of God. As we imitate who Jesus is. And Jesus lives self-sacrificially. Jesus gave his life for us. And so in the same way Paul is now saying, listen, you need to say, it's not about what I want to do. It's about how can I imitate Jesus by living self-sacrificially so that other people may be built up. So every time that you have the liberty to do something and you choose not to do it, you are offering a sacrifice of praise to God. Every time you choose to not walk in the fullness of the liberty that you know you have in Christ because you don't want to stumble somebody else, you are being like Jesus because Jesus died on a cross for us, not because he sinned, but because we sinned. He chose to die for us. So we choose to love others more than we love our own liberty. Now, when was the last time you thought about this? Like, when was the last time you, you said, is there anything that I am doing in my freedom in Christ right now that is stumbling somebody else? That has the potential to lead someone astray. That could even grieve somebody. See, because the idea, of course, is that with, the, with the idea of the stumbling block is, you know, we don't realize that we're doing it. And, and when you grieve somebody... Right? When you grieve somebody, what it does is it, 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 it has the potential to snowball into something further. Like, so I talk to our, our, our pastors and our leaders about this often. Because the Bible doesn't say that uh, drinking is a sin. Jesus turned water into wine at a wedding. Many Christians have tried to turn it back ever since. You know what I mean? You know, it's like, the, go read it, John chapter two, man. You know? But I always tell our pastors, I say, listen, but like, if you feel the liberty to drink and then you go and do it, And somebody sees you do it and they start drinking and they stumble becoming become, oh, that's on you. And I'm like, I'm not talking legalism. I'm talking the law of love trumping the law of liberty. And I'm like, listen, so if you feel the liberty to, or if you feel the liberty not to, that's between you and Jesus. But if I have to hear about it, we have a problem. Why? Because we don't want to stumble anybody. There's something greater at stake. Some people say, you should never drink if you're a Christian. There are questions of conscience. Like people ask me, like, do you ever rule that elders and pastors they have to sign a thing that says they won't drink? I'm like, no, I, I can't set up a system that Jesus couldn't be an elder at Crossroads. Like that would be really dumb, you know. Like if Jesus can't be an elder, you know, Paul is telling Timothy drink a little wine for your stomach illness. I can't do that. But I also realize that in the context of what the scriptures teach, there's a lot of tension there, now, isn't there? There's a lot of things that you have to think about, like. What does this actually look like? And I think that's not only true for leaders, that's true for all of us. Because listen, when you get saved, guess what? Your faith plugs in that base. And if you are saved and the spirit of God's got you plugged in, that amplifier's on through your life. See, and and Paul, he brings all, he says, listen, love is more important than liberty. Your freedom in Christ comes with a responsibility to make sure that you build people up and you don't tear them down, that you help people grow and not hinder people's growth. See, the apostle Paul really breaks it down. like what he says in verse 16. Therefore, do not let your good be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. He's saying, listen, when you allow these questions of conscience, what you eat, what you drink, these lesser things to become more important than the greater things, you're missing the boat. Because the kingdom of God's not about if you do or don't eat meat. It's not about if you do or don't drink. It's about righteousness and peace and joy in the kingdom of God because of the finished work of Jesus. See, oftentimes the divisions that come with these questions of conscience are actually much less important than the greater things of the finished work of Jesus. And if you go through the, the people of God, you see that the church divides up over all these things. Like I had it recently, I was talking to someone, they were very upset with me, I couldn't believe it, because we actually raised money to build a kid center. It's so like, well, what about us older people? I'm like, what? I'm like, I was like, what? To like, you know, you don't care about us. I'm like, everything's here for you. We've got soft seats. We're not putting you on, like, folding chairs. We got climate control. Like, it's all, it's all for adults, older adults and younger adults. I'm like, you realize we don't have, like, little kids? They don't care about the pews on the seats. We don't even let them stand on it. But we want a nice place for them to have for them. But it's like, but people get upset about this stuff. And I'm just like, Bleh. I can't even fathom it. I'm like, you serious? You're upset with me because we're raising money so that families and kids have a place to grow? Like, seriously? And then I'm like, but I'm reminded that, you know what? In a superficial culture, in a culture where we minor in the majors and major in the minors, we start to think that the questions of conscience are more important than righteousness, peace, and joy in the kingdom of God. Brothers listen, where are you majoring in the minors? Now, and listen, mo- most of you are not upset. And I guess, you know, if you are, I'm so sorry, but I'm not. But, but here's the deal. Like, I don't want to make, like, the, the heart condition problems of a few be, like, a big thing, because it's not. But here's the deal. We got to make sure we major in the majors, my friends. Where are we making big things out of super small things? Where are we neglecting the weightier matters? righteousness, peace, and joy in the kingdom of God. And we're making small things like whether or not somebody does this, right? When you do that, you're missing the mark here. Look what it says, verse 18. It says, for he who serves Christ in these things is acceptable to God and approved by men. Therefore, let us pursue the things which make for peace And the things by which one may edify another do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. All things are indeed pure, but it is evil for the man who eats with offense. It is good neither to eat meat nor drink wine nor do anything by which your brother stumbles or is offended or is made weak. Brothers and sisters, you might want to circle verse 19 in your Bible because really what it teaches us is that you and I, we should choose peace and edification. We should choose peace, and edification. See, really what Paul is saying here is although the Apostle Paul knows, he knows that he knows that he knows that there's nothing unclean, right? There's no problem here. In verse 20, do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. All things are indeed pure. You see what he's saying? He's like, he understands whom the sun sets free is truly free. Whom the sun sets free is free has complete liberty to do what he wants. But with that liberty, the greatest exercise of that liberty is not to destroy what God is doing when someone's conscience is pricked by that. He's saying, listen, let us, those who feel the freedom in Christ, let us pursue the things which make for peace and the things by which one may edify another. That word edify literally means to build up somebody else. So the greatest exercise of strength and freedom is the ability to say, even though I'm allowed to do it, I'm not going to do it because I want that person to experience God's peace and I want to build them up and not tear them down. It's what the apostle Paul told the church in Corinth, 1 Corinthians chapter 10 verses 23 and 24. All things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful All things are lawful for me, but not all things edify. Let no one seek his own, but each one the other's well-being. See, right there, Paul puts it together. He's like, look, I'm allowed to do everything, but not all things are helpful. I have total freedom, but not all things build us. Rather than me focusing on what I'm allowed to do, I want to focus on the well-being of other people, which is very much like Jesus. See, really what we begin to realize here is that in a lot of ways, with the way that each one of us grows, is that we spend a lot of time, I mean, how many of you looked in the mirror this morning? Yeah, all of you, praise God, right? I don't know what you thought when you looked in the mirror, but I thought to myself, oh Lord... (laughs) You know, I was just like, man, it's like, it's so funny. Like as I'm getting older, you know, I'm, I'm getting, I got all these white hairs. Now I know the Bible says that it's all, it's wisdom, but I'm not so sure. I know neither. You're not sure either. You know what I mean? But every time I look, I'm like, man, look at all those gray hairs. And just the other day, my little Annabelle, Annabelle goes, dad. I'm like, yeah. She's like, you were getting so white in the face. And I'm like, you know why? She's like, why? I'm like, cause of you. And she's like, I didn't paint your beard. <laughs> she, doesn't, she doesn't quite get it yet you know what I mean but it's so, it's so funny though because it's like how does this happen I look in the mirror right but you know how it is like you look in the mirror and then maybe there's like some picture of you that you did to glamour shots when you were like 28 years old and that's like the standard picture of who you are how many of you remember glamour shots is that like a, just a New Jersey thing all the girls in New Jersey everyone had their glamour shots so made up as awful I almost just went for glamour shots for fun because my sisters were going for them could you imagine me like all oh, like some rouge blush or whatever. It would have been so weird. <laughs> anyway, you know, it's like we have this vision of this is who we're supposed to be, right? This is what we're supposed to look like, right? And for all of us, that's how we live our lives. And, and we, and we weigh ourselves against this image of ourselves that we've either constructed or maybe our parents constructed for us. But really when a person comes to know Jesus, actually, when you look in the mirror, you actually don't look at the, the image of yourself. You actually you let Jesus be that picture in the mirror, Who is Jesus? And then you look at your life based off of that. And in so many ways, that is exactly what Christianity is all about. That's what simply responding to Jesus is all about. It's not looking at yourself in the mirror. It's not or what we do in our day and age is people look at the worst possible version of a human being in the mirror. Like the number of times someone says to me, oh man, I'm not so bad. I'm not like Adolf Hitler or something. Right? Or, you know, I'm not so bad. I'm not like insert the other political party that we don't vote for or whatever. Right? That's how people look at themselves today. But as a follower of Jesus, you put Jesus in that reflection. And every single day we look into the eyes of Jesus and we say, Lord, where are the growing edges? What, What do you want to change about me? And when you think about Jesus, Jesus is such a powerful example of this because Jesus is all powerful. But at so many different times, Jesus didn't use his power. He chose to sit on his power or to restrain his power so that other people might be blessed. Like you think of that word meekness, right? One of the greatest definitions of the word meekness is strength under control. See, Jesus, we can come to him, all who are labored and are heavy laden, and he will give us rest. Why? Because he is meek and lowly in heart. Remember when they came to arrest Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane? Remember, he's like, "Look, man! Remember, Peter pulled out the sword. He's going to protect Jesus. He cuts off the Malchus's ear." I I just love that picture of Peter because you know Peter was probably shooting for a headshot. He only caught an ear, you know. I so I'm so encouraged by Peter. Peter's like the master of calamity, you know. And I'm always like, "Yes, God chose Peter just to encourage people like me." You know what I mean? You know, you know he was going to take his head off, just straight up hardcore samurai style, and just caught an ear, you know. But Jesus healed Malchus's ear. And then Jesus is like, Peter, what are you doing? I, I could ask my father. We send legions of angels. He's like, this is no problem. But he said, but this is the way it's supposed to be. I talked to my son, Obadiah, about this. He's 14. Love this guy so much. But Obadiah is like, you know, he's taller than me. His feet are bigger than mine. You know, I can't believe he's 14. He wears my clothes. I'm like, what happened? Right? But he's strong now. And I always tell them, like, you know, the strongest guy is not the guy who gets mad at someone and punches them. The strongest guy is the guy who gets mad at someone and chooses not to. The strong person is not the person who gets aggravated and screams their head off. The strong person who gets aggravated and doesn't scream their head off. Why? Because there's control. See, strength expressed is not a sign of strength. It's actually a sign of weakness. The greatest strength is when you know you can and you want to. But for a higher cause, you choose not to. And brothers and sisters, when we look into the face of Jesus every day, we realize that Jesus did this every step of the way. When that woman was caught in the act of adultery, actually there was a woman and a man caught in the act, but they only brought the woman, right? Which is horrible in and of itself, Remember, when, it, when they said, this woman was caught in the act of adultery, what should we do? Jesus did what the law said. Adultery was punishable by death. And what did Jesus do? Jesus said, kill her? No. What did he say? He so let him who is without sin cast the first stone. I know what that scripture teaches in John's gospel. It teaches that from the, the oldest people were the ones who went away first. Because the oldest people had the longest track record of mistakes. They had more data than the young whippersnapper who thought they were really super spiritual. Right, And then ultimately, when that woman was left there alone, Jesus said, where are all these accusers of yours? And she said, and they've all gone. And Jesus said, well, I don't condemn you either, but go and sin no more. The one person who could condemn her didn't. Because that's the heart of Jesus. And he he didn't just say, hey, just go back, go back to that guy or someone else, you know, like, just go back to your adultery. No, he said, just don't do it anymore. See, when you and I choose peace and building people up, it is the greatest sign of our freedom in Christ. When somebody has all the reasons and all and right is on their side and they choose in the name of peace and building someone up not to do it, that is a sign of great maturity. Now, let me ask you this. What, would that, what does that look like at street level where you live? Now, this isn't about us acting a certain way so that we get saved. This is about us... Simply responding to Jesus because we are saved. What areas right now are you allowing your liberty to create the opposite of peace? To create discord, issues. In what ways are you in your liberty to Christ not building people up but destroying them, tearing them down? Whatever that is, I believe that today God wants to do a work in all of us. Because I'll be honest, like, I've been super convicted studying this for the last bunch of weeks. (laughs) Like God's been calling me on the carpet in all these different areas. Because it's easy to forget these things. It's easy to forget that there's something greater than just our freedom in Christ. It's how do we wield that freedom in a way that is beautiful, in a way that truly has the heart of Jesus, in a way that promotes peace with God and peace of God in a way that in every area we say, my only goal is to build other people up because Jesus has built me up because I know my freedom in Christ. I want to use that freedom to help other people. Like when you go on an airplane, they say, and if the oxygen masks fall, what should you do first? Put on your own. And then once you put on your own, what should you do? Help other people put on theirs. This is how this is meant to work. When we put on freedom in Christ, then we need to live in such a way that for people who don't understand that freedom, we don't despise them, we don't judge them, and we don't stumble them because for them, at this point in their walk, our walking in that liberty stumbles them. And why would we ever want to do that if Jesus didn't stumble us but saved us and redeemed us? So it's so beautiful what he's saying here. Because look what he says, verse 20. Do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. All things indeed are pure, but it is evil to the man who eats with offense. It is good neither to eat meat nor drink wine nor do anything by which your brother stumbles or is offended or is made weak. Don't do anything that's going to stumble somebody if it makes somebody weak, if it offends somebody. Look what it says, and we'll close the message out with these last two verses. Verse 22. Do you have faith? Have it to yourself before God. Happy is he who does not condemn himself in what he approves. But he who doubts is condemned if he eats because he does not eat from faith. For whatever is not from faith is sin. Brothers and sisters, you and I, we need to live by faith. We need to live by faith. Now, what I want you to do is I want you to take verse 22 and 23, and I want you to circle it in your Bible. Go ahead, circle it. So, so important. Like, it's almost like, it almost sounds like the Apostle Paul is teaching us non-biblical teachings, although it's in the Bible. Because that's what he says. Do you have faith? Have it to yourself before God. What? The Apostle Paul just said you should have faith to yourself. Does he mean it? Yes. Why? He's saying, whatever you do, Don't live in such a way that violates your conscience before God. He's saying, when you and I live by faith, we believe in Jesus. But because we believe in Jesus, now we move through the world and we want to honor Jesus with our lives. And there are these questions of conscience that someone else may say yes to that you can't say yes to. And when you violate your conscience on that, you are actually condemning yourself to yourself. Because you feel that inner turmoil For a severing in your relationship with God Because now you've sinned See, he says, listen Have it to yourself before God Happy is he who does not condemn himself By what he approves No, listen, brothers and sisters When I say you live by faith Our faith is in Jesus But because our faith is in Jesus Don't make any decisions That causes you to violate your own conscience Before Jesus
1: Jesus is real. As Pastor Daniel finished up this teaching entitled Choose Love, you were reminded that it's easy to get sidetracked and make the lesser things more important than the main things. You were challenged to consider if there are areas that you're allowing your freedoms to create discord and destruction. Pastor Daniel shared that God wants you to wield your freedoms in the love of Jesus. Place a marker in your Bibles and join us next time as Pastor Daniel continues studying through the book of Romans in this series called Amplify. He'll invite you to learn about the importance of praising God in every situation. You'll discover that this practice will help you grow in your relationship with God. The goal is that you learn to give God praise and glory in every circumstance, even if you don't like the details of what's happening. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. On behalf of Pastor Daniel and the entire production team, we invite you to join us again for the next edition of Jesus Is Real Radio.